Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I'm joined today by Tish Hamilton. Hello, Tish. Hi, Sarah. How are you today? Good. Are you sweating as you sit at the microphone? (laughs) I'm sitting very, very still so that I will not sweat. That's the only way you cannot sweat in Savannah in the summer. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So I I know that you, you know, kind of commuted, let's say, between New Jersey and Savannah, Georgia. But you, is this your first summer, full summer being down there? it is my first full summer. I'm, I moved down here last year in August, so we're coming up on the one-year anniversary. So I do know how hot it is, but this is the first time I've like experienced the whole time. <laughs> and, and? and Well, I can tell you one thing. The weather report is exactly the same thing every single day for the month of July and month of August, which is a high in the 90s, so usually around 95, and a chance of thunderstorms every single day. And the low, it does not go below 75 degrees at night. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, boy. Yeah, so it's quite warm. So, you know, you get up and you do, the sun comes up relatively late. Mm -hmm. The sun comes up around 620. So, you you know, to, to to get a run in before the sun up is not you know, not crazy, crazy early. I mm-hmm. usually start my runs around, um, uh, my like long runs. I'll do start at six fifteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, it's it's already you know seventy five degrees, eighty five percent humidity, uh, and it just goes up from there. Oh boy! And any breeze at all? Uh you know, um, not much. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, because this morning on my run, I noticed when I was running north, there was a nice little breeze in my face and it was kind of overcast. And um, Yeah. And like, what was the temperature? Well, I don't look at the, I would say it was probably in the low 60s. Yeah. All right. So yeah. we're not going to see low 60s until October. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Wow. 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 So have yeah. you, so maybe running a little earlier, have you done anything else to kind of change your routine? Well, I, the way that it impacts you, I mean, obviously, you know, it, it's hot all the time. So mm-hmm. we, um, I, I run most um, weekday mornings with my boyfriend and we our, our route takes us by a water fountain mm-hmm. uh, that we, it's a lollipop route. So we, you know, we go by a water fountain, we go to another water fountain, then we come back by another <laughs> water fountain. It's like every 20 minutes, 15, 20 minutes, there's a water fountain. Uh-huh. And, and that's just key, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you just got to keep drinking. And Apropos to our guest today, mm-hmm. the pace is slow, mm-hmm. and as our guest will say, slow AF. <laughs> um, <laughs> and you just have to accept that, right? You know, yeah. it's just going to be slow, and you come home and you're completely soaked, as if you've been in a rainstorm. And then you know, what you have to do is change out of your running clothes into something dry, mm-hmm. and then wait about an hour because you keep sweating, and then change again. <laughs> <laughs> and you have to wait for the shower like you can't take a shower right away because that's just pointless because you're just gonna like bleh, sweat 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 so oh. you really allow yourself to cool down um, so this is tricky when you have some place to be right, right. <laughs> the clock is ticking 
<laughs> tomorrow I have some place to be at 10. I'm like, huh, I'm going to have to like start my run earlier so I can and have that hour cool down. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's not about getting back and making the kids lunches or something like that. It's uh, or being at your desk to take a call. It's like, I need an hour of cool down time. Cool let down. Me, seriously. Back up from there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can't, you know, obviously I can work, right? Because I can just sit at the computer and nobody sees me. <laughs> Oh my gosh. And so do do you have like an outfit that you put on that's your that is your cool down outfit? I mean, Oh, 100%. Oh. <laughs> Stupid question, Sarah. <laughs> yeah, and I mean like it's as soon as you walk in the door you got to take that wet stuff off cuz I mean as you know, like if you have wet stuff next to your body, uh, you get that awful chill even when oh, it's like yeah. 100 degrees and your body's mm-hmm. overheating. It's like mm-hmm. oh that combination of like Ugh. cold and so yeah i just i put on cotton shorts and cotton t-shirt and you mm-hmm. know like um, nobody can see me <laughs> <laughs> like i don't even want to like open the door for the fedex guy like i'll just um, i'll wave from a very distant porch leave it there guy leave it there <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. boy oh boy wow 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 yeah i f- i not to rub it in but I, we're having a glorious summer out here. It's just <laughs> the, the, the air is so crisp, like it's so clear. And oh, it's really, it's a really nice. It reminds me of the summers when I first moved here 23 years ago. Just um, like warm enough and sunny, but yeah. not but not hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that nice like overnight temperature where mm-hmm. it's high 50s, low 60s is mm-hmm. perfect. That's like, mm-hmm. that's so ideal for me. Mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The air yeah. smells good and it feels good at night when you're sleeping, all oh, of that good yeah. stuff. Oh, definitely the air smells very good these days. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So... I'm sorry. Uh. <laughs> it's okay. You know what? I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm grateful that I can still keep moving. And, you know, you yeah. see other people out there and you wave, you're commiserating waves. I'm like, yeah. can't believe we're doing this, but we're doing it. <laughs> and now cue what I did for love, you know? So, uh, that year, you know, you made a choice. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Okay. Well, as you alluded to, today's guest is Martinez Evans, who's founder of Slow AF Run Club, as you said. And Martinez is the author of a new book by that same name. He is a run coach and he's also co host of the Long Run with Martinez and Latoya podcast. And his website and Instagram account are called 300 Pounds in Running. In the 13 years to this month since Martinez started running, when he weighed 365 pounds, he has unified a diverse community of -of back-of-the-pack runners and fostered pride and positivity in the community. When Martinez originally approached us to be a guest on this podcast, I mistakenly turned him away, saying we rarely feature men on the show. Then I belatedly realized what a force for good and light he is. So it is with great delight that we welcome Martinez Evans to the show. So Martinez, thanks so much for joining us and uh, happy belated birthday. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. Got to ask: carrot cake, raisins, or no raisins? Um, both. Both. <laughs> I like both of them. All carrot cakes matter. <laughs> I'm so anti raisins and carrot cake. <laughs> That's a good answer, though. <laughs> so, Martinez, let's jump right into running and tell us about your origin story. So, how a comment from a doctor made you determined to take up running? Absolutely. So um, 
in 2012, I was working at Men's Warehouse at the time. So I was on my feet eight to 10 hours a day in hard bottom dress shoes on a concrete floor. With that being said, I developed some hip issues because who wouldn't when working under those conditions? I went to go see a doctor. This is first my first time ever meeting this doctor. And he told me, I know why you in pain. I said, okay, like, what's that? You ain't touched me. You ain't put a stethoscope on me. You ain't look at nothing. He was like, you're fat and you need to lose weight or die. So I'm furious, frustrated. And, you know, he continued to go on and say, well, you know, uh, you got two options, lose weight or die. You got the stomach as a pregnant woman. You need to start walking. You need to start walking on the track to die. And I'm still upset and mad about, you know, the whole thing of, you know, being a person of size and, and seeing a medical professional, your eye can literally be hanging out your socket. And <laughs> instead of them addressing the problem, they look at you and say, oh, yeah, that eye, yeah, we'll get something on, on that. But let's talk about how fat you are. Mm-hmm. I think that was the same thing that was happening here with this doctor's appointment. So he wanted to take it to a stream and I wanted to take it to a stream too. So instead of you being like, you know what, you're right. I should start walking. I said, screw that. I'm going to run a marathon. And he laughed at me and told me that was the most stupidest thing he has heard in all of his years of practicing medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, very intense, very, very intense doctor's appointment. I wanted to massage him with my fist against <laughs> his face, but you know, that's not generally accepted in a doctor's office. Um, <laughs> And he went on to say, you know, if you run a marathon, you'll die on the course. And I stormed out the doctor's office and I remember saying to myself, you know what, we're going to see about that. So I stormed out the doctor's office and I bought some running shoes that day and I got on the treadmill that day and failed miserably. And that was my origin story. Mm. Yeah, I was impressed when I you know, read and, and heard, I've heard several interviews with you, that you went straight to a running specialty store because they can be so intimidating for anyone much less someone who doesn't fit the so-called traditional runner stereotype. How was navigating that experience? What was that like? It was all fate or mm. coincidence, whatever you want to say. Because, you know, I'm driving home and I'm I'm frustrated. I'm ruminating. And then I see like this running shoe store. It was a Fleet Feet. So I see this like Fleet Feet. And it's like, you know, it's like Fleet Feet sports running shoe, yada, yada, yada. And I remember being like, you know what? We're going to go do this. So I made a illegal U-turn and went in there. So it wasn't like I was like, oh, I'm going to go to a running shoe store and I'm going to find one out. It just happened to be on the side of the road as I was driving home from this horrible doctor's appointment. And, you know, with me still having smoke coming from my head, like I would say kudos to them to really like pumping the brakes on me because I was there like, I need shoes. I need them now. I went straight to the wall. I'm like, give me that color right there <laughs> in a size 15. And like, I'm going to go run a marathon today. <laughs> and I would say kudos to them for stopping me and being like, wait, like, hold up. <laughs> First of all, <laughs> have you ever had a, a gait analysis before? Have you ever had a shoe fit? And for like them stepping back and say, you know what? We have a process here. So like, let's go through that process first. And then you can go do what you want to do. Hmm. Hmm. So did you go through the process and walk out with a pair of running shoes? I, I walked out with a pair of running shoes and insoles. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, 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 you know, kudos for you, even though it was just sort of like happenstance, like good job going into a running shoe store and good job running shoe store people for helping you out and getting you some good shoes. Yeah. Now, and did, you, did I just hear you say you, 
fell off a treadmill on your first run? Absolutely, Tess. Okay. So <laughs> that's a bit of a, I don't know what to say, a, a barrier. <laughs> How did you literally pick yourself up and, and decide to keep going? Oh, man. So let's talk about me falling off this treadmill. Um, so get the shoes. Go home to the little fitness center that we have in our apartment complex. It's three treadmills in this com- in this fitness center. Two of them are already uh, occupied by people I like to call gazelles. So, like, these people are going, like, 9 and 10 on the treadmill. I don't know why it was going that fast on the treadmill. They shouldn't even been in there. But that's a whole other thing. So, I'm inconveniently sandwiched in between these two gazelles. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, if they're going 9 and 10 and, like, it's not, it's graceful. Like they look like it's just strides and it's grace. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I can at least go seven. Then. <laughs> How hard could that be? How hard can that really be? If they're going nine and 10. And it looks so easy. Yes. They're looking so graceful up there. Yeah, I can no at problem. least go seven. And just, you know, my life asked before my eyes when I got there. <laughs> So I, I fall off the treadmill. My body makes this, you know, makes this loud noise. The the gazelles look at me from their perch and like, are you okay? I'm mortified. So I storm out of there. And I have this tattoo on my right wrist. And this is like some, it's like some movie cinematic stuff. But I have this tattoo on my right wrist. It says, no struggle, no progress. I got this tattoo when I was very young, um, either my senior year of high school or either my freshman year in college. So I get this tattoo, and it's from uh, a famous speech from Frederick Douglass with the same name. And as I am reaching out to the doorknob, I see my tattoo. And, you know, the whole speech that Frederick Douglass says, like, rings true in my head. And, you know, the parts of the speech is like, you know, if there's no struggle, there's no progress. Uh, Men who favor freedom yet deprecate agitation. It's men who want crops without plowing the land. It's men who want rain without thunder and lightning it's men who want the ocean without its loud roars and the speech goes on to say that you know the struggle may be a physical one it may be a moral one or it may even be a mental one where there needs to be some type of struggle in order to have progress and as that's going through my head i'm thinking to myself like you know what i know what i gotta do then like i gotta go through the struggle the next day i got up at 5 a.m and uh, made sure nobody else is in the fitness center because I can't let the same people see me fall over again. And this time I ran for 30 seconds. The day after that, I ran for a minute and I just kept going a little bit, a little bit more each day until I found out about couch to 5k and started doing that. And next thing you know, I was running my first 5k within like 10 weeks. Mm. Mm. And I'm curious why you decided to go the treadmill route instead of just heading out the door. Um, that is a good question. I don't know. I don't know. It was just more of like, well, I got this treadmill. I got this fitness center. Let's just do the treadmill. Hmm. All right. So then, okay, so you did that 5K and then eventually you built up to your first marathon out of, mm-hmm. out of eight in Detroit in 2013. So what was it like to cross that finish line? It was amazing. It was bittersweet. First of all, it was just sweet because, you know, it it took me about 18-ish months to actually, like, run that that race, right? So I, I think for most people, they're thinking, oh, well, Dr. Called You Fat, you started running and you ran a marathon. And I'm like, well, 
there was 18 months to go along with that. So that was the first thing I want to let people know is that it, I was just proud of myself that I stayed consistent for that long of time mm-hmm. and stay focused because most people don't stay that focused on a particular goal. And then it was also better because I, I did have a not so um, great experience with the sag wagon during the race. I got mm-hmm. heckled by the volunteers or like one of the one of the individuals who was driving the sag wagon. Mm. Like what? Like I mean, what, what was the heckling like? So the heckling was it was this thing where he kept coming alongside of me, mile after mile, and being like, "Hey, big man, like." You want to ride to the finish line? Hey, get in the car. I'll take you to the finish line type thing. Mm. Mm. And, you know, imagine having that go from mile 18 till about mile 25 of this mm. car keep coming alongside of you. And you're like, want to get in? Come on, get in. I'll take you to the finish line. Like, just sowing seeds of doubt mm-hmm. um, while you're trying to run your first race. Yeah. Mm. I, you know, I, I hate that. I hate that for you because – nobody, nobody from mile 18 on needs someone saying, Hey, you want to get a ride? Cause yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I want a ride. Part of you does. Right? You, right. I mean, everybody, everybody has that experience. Like I don't need someone to, to, to just discourage me. I need someone to encourage, encourage me. me. Right. Mm-hmm. And that was the thing, right? Is that it was just one of those things where I don't know if he just felt like he was being funny, but that, that wasn't, that was not funny. Mm-hmm. nor fun and it wasn't a laughing matter to have someone keep coming mile after mile being like hey man come on get in get in i'll take you knowing yeah. that like what the repercussions is of getting into that vehicle yeah yeah that's that's too bad but i also want to say you you mentioned it took 18 months from when you first you know got your running shoes to to crossing a finish line of a marathon it and you know, that's that it may sound like a long time, but it's not a long time. Right. I mean, that's because marathon is 26 miles and you and anybody who starts running needs to take the time for their body to get used to that, mm-hmm. to that kind of distance and and all of that stuff. So good job. Good job mm-hmm. doing that. And I know you have since run a total of eight marathons. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious, does this one stand out as your favorite? And, and why would that be your favorite? My favorite marathon today is a marathon that I DNF. Um, mm. Big Sur. Mm. Big Sur is just a, such a beautiful race. Mm-hmm. For those of you who are listening who never heard about Big Sur, it's in California. It's in uh, Carmel, Carmel by the Sea. And it's off of Route 1, and it's a two-lane highway. So they break, they pretty much block off the two-lane highway, and you experience this race in nobody's business. Like like nobody like nobody who's driving it can experience this particular race, if that makes sense. So it was my favorite race. It was beautiful. I DNF that race. But I think even though I DNF'd it, the grace that the race director gave me was something that always just lived with me. So for example, I understand this race has a time limit. Great. It was starting to get hot out there. So with the race director, it was like, hey, like your pace, like I've been checking on you, your pace has not changed since you started this thing. Like you, you are moving at a great pace, but it's getting hot out here and we want to make sure you get finished. So how about this? We got to open up these roads because, you know, we whatever, whatever, get in the car. I'm going to move you forward 
So that way you can continue to have a great race experience. I don't want to pull you off this course because I know how beautiful this course is. I understand that you did a lot of work and like truthfully your pace, you have been moving and grooving. So <laughs> get in the car. I want to move you forward. And that way you can continue to experience this race. And then when you get to mile 21, like that's where all the sweeper bands or stuff anyway. So like you can, if you make it to mile 21 by a certain time, you can continue to finish the race. But if not, like you're going to have to get on the bus because we got to open these roads. And I think that for a backer to packer and somebody who really understands this, like I think the way that he came to me with humanity to let me know that, hey, like I want to celebrate you. Great job for what you're doing. And these are the things we have to do. But here are the options you have versus just being like, oh, you're done. Go home. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I say that was one of my favorite races and it's one of the races that just stands out to me. Mm. Mm. How long ago is that? I'm just curious whether he knew who you were or mm. is this you were just rando guy in the back? I was probably rando but guy in the back. Um, it was pre-pandemic. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so 2018-ish. So before kind of your your website became big, your, yes. you know, before you got a lot of Instagram numbers. Okay, well, that that's... Yeah. That was really lovely of him to to treat you with respect like that. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Good on good on Big Sur folks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a break to hear from the brands that let's bring you this free content. Please support them like they support us. Our conversation with Martinez will continue shortly. Okay, Martinez, so you started running to prove a point, maybe to that doctor. It sounds maybe more t- to yourself, but that kind of motivation doesn't really last like Tish alluded to. So eventually, did you start in actually enjoying running? And if so, when was that for you? <laughs> that is a great question. <laughs> um, I think I enjoyed running. I really started to enjoy running after I ran my first 5K. Mm, okay. So initially, yes, yeah, spite, mixture of spite and <laughs> Want to massage my fist against that doctor's face. Mm-hmm. But eventually when I went around my first 5K and like understand like, holy crap, you get medals and then start to find out like, oh, there's tons of races out there that you can run. And like people do this for around the world. Like I really started to enjoy running then. That's awesome. So Martinez, uh, you you mentioned having to deal with somebody giving you a hard time on the run and your first marathon in Detroit in 2013. And, and this came up again during the New York City Marathon in 2018 um, when a guy on the sidelines was yelling at you that you were too slow and that you should just go home. And tell us about how you dealt with that. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, being in the back of the pack, I, I guess... I guess the best way to uh, describe it is just people of size and slower individuals are just targets for hecklers, mm. which sucks, you know, because mm-hmm. we spend a lot of time getting over hurdles and barriers to let alone get to the start line that there are so many barriers when it comes to getting to the finish line. So running New York City Marathon, there's this bridge called Queensboro Bridge. It is a horrible, terrible bridge to run over. <laughs> Uh, it goes all the way up and it goes all the way down. And then you get off this bridge to go on first Ave, which is also a slow incline up. And I just feels like first Ave does not end. 
<laughs> so imagine getting off this bridge. Now you're on this incline of first half. You see this guy pointing at you. You're thinking like he's cheering you on or whatever. You take off your headphones and, you know, he's like, you're slow. You're slow AF. Go home. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you, but around mile 16, 17, I guess it started getting, started getting delusional. So I was like, what? Like, what, what's going on? <laughs> He's like, you're slow. Go home. Mm. And it hit me like, wait a minute. Hold on. Let me get this right. I'm running this race. I spent my money on this race. I spent all the time training for this race. You're on the sideline with a beer and you want me to go home? Mm-hmm. No, you go home. So in true New York fashion, I get in an argument with this guy because that's what you do in New York. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and eventually I finished the race. And at that point on, I was like, you know, I'm going to wear slow AF across my chest, just like the S on Superman. And it was one of those things of like, I want this to be a badge of honor. I want to be proud of this. I want to be proud, you know, yes, I want to be proud that I'm slow. And it's not because like, oh, like you slow, yada, yada, yada. It's the fact that I've ran races where they ran out of metals, ran out of water, um, ran out of snacks, took down the signs, took down the timing mats. And in spite of all of that, I still made it to the finish line. You know, there have been times where I've ran marathons a little bit over seven hours. I still made it. And I think those are things that should be celebrated, not ridiculed and pointed at and laughed at. You know how, how much determination it takes to be on your on your feet for damn near a uh, a whole work day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then 100%. For, for someone to be like, you're slow, go home. <laughs> no, that's not funny. Like I spent my time, money and effort and I'm out here giving my best and you think you can just laugh at me. So mm-hmm. like, that's where the notion of slow your front club kind of came from. It was just a point of letting people know that even though you slow out there, it doesn't matter because you're still running the race. And then as of recently, like I recently just found out that some of these races are even are permitted as a parade. So like it really changed the way that I even think about road racing. Like I already had this notion of like, if you're not an elite athlete, none of this stuff really matters because like you're not racing for prize money anyway. But now to find out that there are certain races around the country that are permitted as parades that really shows me this stuff really don't matter then. Like, we're all paying money to participate in a parade. <laughs> and if that's the case, <laughs> we're, we're all participating in a race, in, in, in a parade to get a medal at the end. And if that's the case, when I see a parade, I don't see the, the Santa Claus float trying to beat out the Mickey Mouse float. Like, they're all a part of the, like, just all a part of the celebration. Yeah. Right on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then when you hear people saying, you know, oh, running's open to everyone, all pace is welcome, anyone can join, do you just want to call BS on that? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and one reason I say that is because, like, I went to a conference called Running USA. Mm-hmm. So Running USA is a conference where, like, all the race directors get together, right? And, like, you can hear some of the race directors being like, oh, like, I'm proud that I'm old school. And like, this is the way it's going to be and yada, yada, yada. And like, I just personally think that's not the way to really think about the sport of running. I think that consumers these days are a lot more smarter and a lot more conscious about where they dollar go. 
And for a racist to be like, oh, we're old school. We actually proud that people get left behind, so on and so forth. I don't think that they're going to last once uh, Gen Z have buying power and become um, adults. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have to say, I, when Another Mother Runner started back in 2010, I was on, invited to be on a panel at a marathon expo where they had, it was kind of like, a running USA kind of micro conference. And so mm-hmm. there were a bunch of those old school guys in this talk that I was giving. And it was about women entering running and, you know, how the, the explosion of the number of women runners there were. And I was talking about the importance and the, how there is a place to have women's only races. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the old school guys got so incensed. They just were like, what do you mean that some people might feel intimidated to do a, a race? And that's ridiculous. If someone feels intimidated to do a race and they shouldn't be there. And, you know, and I just was like, wow. And mm-hmm. I, um, after it was, you know, I stood my ground and, and maintained my point and made my points and afterwards was in the women's restroom and the director of like the Helsinki marathon, I think it was Helsinki. I, I definitely remember it was in Scandinavia. She came up to me and was like, oh, good for you for telling those guys that mm. and not backing down. And um, yeah, I think I think we need to just, you know, um, get the snowplows out and just get rid of those older, old school white guys. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I think running the sport of running needs an overhaul. And if mm-hmm. that does not happen, I do not think it's going to last throughout the generation of Gen Z. Mm. You know, if they can't, if they're, and I'm about to start running. So like, mm-hmm. I even think about that, how, like how Antonine, it was like, oh, women can't run where it because like the universe is going to fall out. And it's like, are you saying like uh, a human being who can like carry children, <laughs> <laughs> somebody who can bear children and like it, mm-hmm. the baby is just up there for nine months and then like <laughs> it, it ain't like the, they walking around and the baby just falling on now, like. <laughs> so like even just that whole thing or even just like how they're going with like the non-binary athletes like i think some of these races are just really thinking about it in a completely different way like y'all are really up in arms on whether or not to add a check box additional check box to the form mm-hmm. Like, that's really what it is. It's really somebody adding another tech box to say, are you non-binary or not? Mm-hmm. When you think about it in the scheme of things. And, and it's, it's one of those things where it's just kind of frustrating that, you know, this old guard of running, like these gatekeepers are just still around and still in power when it's not what the general public wants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So I realized that you, like everyone else, can't separate your characteristics you know, into components, you know, you're always your full self, but do you think it's tougher being a large size runner or a black male runner? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Silly question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> both is hard. Um, both, I would say both is hard. I don't know if there's one harder than the other. Um, they're hard for different reasons. Mm-hmm. So being a, a larger size runner, I think it's hard on like the economics of running. What I mean by that is that you get caught in this whole catch 22 where you got people just like, oh, lose weight, get faster, so on and so forth. And like somebody then takes the initiative or whatever to get out and want to be active and not having clothes in their size. 
So we're kind of stuck in this catch-22 type of thing where you got individuals who always think, oh, good for you. You know, you know how many sympathies good for you I get? Oh, good mm. for you. You're out there. Mm. Or like, you're a good fat person because you're out there moving and being active. And mm. I think like that's one of the notions that's hard about being a plus size runner. Think about being a black runner. So I'm 6'3". <laughs> I'm 6'3", 300 plus pounds. So being a a larger black man, like, it's even hard because, like, there's so many times where I've been stopped by the police because of the the preconceived notion that I'm doing something suspicious because I'm out running at 5 a.m. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In a headlight and bright running clothes and a hydration vest on. But somehow I always get cuffed and question and go through all those things that, that happens of being a, a, a person of color. So I think both of them are equally as hard and I, I cannot, I can't necessarily decipher like which one is harder. Maybe being black. Mm-hmm. Let's go with being black. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. You've been treated that way. Thank you. So speaking of being plus size, your, your blog is called 300 pounds and running and, and you're, you're clear about, categorizing it as as self-improvement um and the slow af run club is careful to keep diet culture out of the conversation mm-hmm. can you tell us about the importance of why, why that matters to you absolutely so many people don't know this but i have a degree i have degrees like a thermometer so i have a, actually have a <laughs> I, I have a degree in exercise science i have a degree in public and health promotion right so one of the reasons why i'm very specific about these words is that I think that diet culture has co-opted like exercise for weight loss. Mm -hmm. And I think everybody thinks that, oh, if you're exercising, you're going to lose weight. And that's not necessarily the case. And then what happens is that somebody gets active, they are expected to lose weight, they do not lose weight, and then they beat themselves up and go on a cycle of not doing, being active anymore and then go through that whole cycle again. So my notion is that everyone should be physically active who will stop. And they should be active regardless if they lose weight or not. Because there's so many other benefits for being regularly physically active, whether it's running, whether it's walking, whether it's whatever you want to do, right? There's so many benefits to being regularly physically active that I just want everybody to be able to experience that regardless if they lose weight or not. And I think that's the whole thing with how we do in Slow If Run Club is, you know, we don't talk about diet. I don't care about what people eat. I don't, you know, I don't care if someone's is uh, paleo or vegetarian and things of that sort. I think, you know, we've, I'm going to say we, but like the diet culture has made it in our minds that we're all enemies against each other. Like, oh, you're mm-hmm. a bad person because you eat meat. Oh, that's bad for you because of X, Y, and Z. You're bad because you eat only seafood. You're pescatarian. Mm-hmm. Ah, you're going to have mercury poison. Shame <laughs> on you. Oh, you're bad because you're vegetarian. Guess what you're eating? You're eating GMO <laughs> stuff, right? So it's like all of this pointing and fighting with like people food choices. And I don't care about any of that. What I really care about is getting individuals the right information in order to stay active in the body that they have right now with whatever diet or nutritional uh, habits that they have at that given moment. 
Awesome. Awesome. I recently chuckled when one of our brand ambassadors jokingly wrote that she gets more time on a race course for her race registration fee than a middle of the pack runner like me does. Like, you know, the, the woohoo, I'm better value. And so, so can you describe, please, that vibe at the back of the pack and why it's important to foster a slow AF pride? Um, I think the vibe in the back of the pack is so fun, right? Um, what I really enjoy about the individuals who are in the back of the pack is that there's so many stories of determination or or accomplishment that comes along with these individuals, right? And then the, I think the other thing is that just the grit and the grind that it takes to be on your feet for a marathon, six, seven hours, almost a work day on your feet. And like you're doing it with no breaks, you're doing it with barely any water, you're doing it with most of the time, no snacks. And like, but you still do it and you make it anyway. And I think that's the reason why we should foster a, a culture where individuals are celebrated for doing these hard things. For example, um, so this is a, another mother runner. So let's talk about this. A baby, right? A baby walking, a baby trying to walk. They said baby falls. I can't remember. Let's just make up a number. A hundred thousand times before they start walking. Don't quote me on that number. That number may be bigger <laughs> or larger, but let, let's roll with that, right? Baby falls a hundred thousand times before they start walking. But as a mother or a, a whoever, like when we see a baby fall and they're trying to walk, we don't be like, Boom, in your face, baby. I told you you can't walk. <laughs> right? <laughs> we're, we're not like in your face. I told you you're worthless. You're a worthless baby because you can't walk right now. No, we're like, you know, keep going, keep trying. We're going to continue to encourage them. But when we get adults, for some reason, we be like, Boom, in your face, you're slow and you're fat and you're worthless and you don't deserve to be out on this course because you're slow. You need to lose weight and get faster. And it's like, what makes, what sense does that make? Mm. That vibe can be kind of insidious because I bet you, I bet you've had people say this to you because I've had people say this to me where they'll come up and they'll say, Oh, you know, I run two to three times a week and two or three miles at a time, but I'm slow. Mm -hmm. So I'm not, I'm not a real runner. And, uh, and which makes me crazy. It makes me crazy. Uh, so, so what do you say? Does, do people say that to you? I'm going to guess oh, they do, but what do you say back? Okay. Yeah. What, how do you, how do you, what do you say? Back? I asked them, well, why do they think they're not a real runner? And they was like, well, X, Y, and Z. And I was like, well, you know, like, do you know the definition of a runner? <laughs> like, do you know the definition of run? Like to run? Like the definition to run is to go faster than a walk. <laughs> so if you can go faster than a walk, guess what you're doing? <laughs> running. <laughs> and guess if, if you're running, guess what you are? <laughs> a runner. <laughs> so it's like one of those things where you kind of like kind of break it down. Because a lot of people preconceived notions and their logic around it can be easily broken. Like if we just think about it and just break it down in, in the most simplest terms. Mm -hmm. mm. I really hope people take that to heart. Ugh. 
so so your book is really resonating. Congratulations. Um, it's so awesome. And you're touring all over the country to a lot of major races, Petrie Road Race, mm-hmm. uh, Falmouth, Boilermaker, Missoula Marathon. So do you feel like the mainstream running world is making strides toward becoming more inclusive, whether that's, you know, take inclusive however you want, whether it's size, race, gender? Uh, There are strides. Yes, I will say there are strides. I think it is moving at a snail's pace. (laughs) It's moving slowly up. But I think there are strides, right? And I think one of the things that, that I look forward to doing and priding myself on is like, letting people know what races are more back of the pack friendly, right? So mm-hmm. that way you can put your dollars there and know that, oh, this race um, is going to support me and I'm going to get that great experience versus going to a race where you don't know and you get a bad experience. So for example, mm-hmm. Missoula, right? Letting somebody know like, hey, Martinez, I want to run a half marathon, but I'm afraid about pace time and things of that sort. And I can say, well, do you know that with Missoula Half Marathon, you have the same course limit as the full marathon. They just pretty much start the full and the half at the same time, but the half starts at the 13-mile marker. So you still get the technically seven hours to finish the half marathon because it's on the same course. So you don't have to worry about it. And then that way they can be like, oh, okay, now I have races that they can go on and not necessarily have to worry about all the other rigmarole that I have experienced as a back of the packer um, in order to get going. Mm -hmm. Um, But yes, Mm -hmm. there, there are, there are pockets of individuals who are very acceptive to diversity. Mm -hmm. Is it why uh, like uh, all the way out throughout all of the courses and races? Not necessarily, but there are some pockets out there. And I think my goal is to be able to, highlight those pockets so that people know that these are the races that uh, they want to be a part of because they're going to have a great experience. Mm-hmm. I have to say, I'm really glad you gave a shout out to Missoula Marathon because I, I was got to go there last year. We're supposed to be the, uh, my business partner and I were supposed to be the guest speakers in 2020. We know what happened there. Yep. The race again got canceled in 21. So I finally got to go back in 2022 and gosh, what a great organization, a beautiful course, a phenomenal town just a really great vibe. And you, I watched, you know, some stuff of you on social media and you with your portable bullhorn. Mm-hmm. I mean, my gosh, you just are, have such an infectious, instantly embraceable personality out on the race course, offering encouragement, support, just one-on-one to the larger crowd. It was awesome. Does that all come naturally to you? Yes. Um, mm-hmm. It does. Uh-huh. <laughs> it takes a lot of energy, but it does. Yeah, it, it's obvious, It's obvious, but it, it just seems so genuine. It is. The thing is, is mm-hmm. that I understand like what something like that would mean to me when I first started running or I'm out there mm-hmm. on the course that I just want to be able to give to the people like things that I wish I would have had or things that I wish I would experience when I first started running. Yeah. That is awesome. That is awesome. And speaking of your social media, we see on your social media that you, uh, in addition to your running, you do a lot of strength training and cross training. And I'm, I'm curious if you can tell us about why that's important to your health as a runner. Absolutely. The, the notion I tell people is that it's the things that you do outside of running that makes you a stronger runner. So like mm-hmm. um, in the book, I, I make a notion of like you make time for strength training now 
or you will be making time for doctor visits and physical therapy later. <laughs> so I'm just trying to live up to my, my own advice to say, okay, uh, I strength train. I actually enjoy strength training. And it's one of those things that will make me a better runner or at least keeps me, keep me out of the doctor's office and physical therapy office. Mm-hmm. Well, with that, with that in mind, is there any gear that you recommend for slower or larger runners? Um, absolutely. So a few things that, that really resonates with me. Um, what is it called? Spring energy. Spring energy has a particular fuel called speed nut and it's 250 calories. I think they have one that's with caffeine. They have one without caffeine. And I really enjoy these packets because it comes in like a packet of like almost like the size of a goo, but you get 250 calories versus like the uh, 100 calories that come Mm -hmm. in most traditional packs, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, fuel packs. So I really enjoy that because being a guy who's 300 plus pounds and when you do the math of like how many carbs and calories I need to have an hour, those are that's a lot of goo that I have to carry and cover Mm -hmm. along these distances. So to have mm-hmm. something that's 200, uh, 250 calories plus is very useful for me because that way I can kind of carry with uh, a traditional amount of packets that somebody else would carry, but I don't mm-hmm. have to carry all of those thousands of goods. Mm-hmm. So like, that's the first thing I would say. That's the, the thing that really stands out to me. Shameless plug for slow F run club March, mm-hmm. <laughs> our March <laughs> go all the way up into a six X uh, in nice. most cases, so all our hoodies, all our T-shirts, all our back, biker shorts go up to a 6X. So that's something I'm really proud of. Mm-hmm. I, I think one of the things that I really enjoy about that is that if I can do it with minimal experience, you know, I can then look at these brands in a different light to say, well, if I can do this with no experience, y'all have people who actually make clothes and like make patterns like y'all can do it as well. So why not? Yeah. And then really get, you know, kind of put them uh, where their foot to the fire to say, like, well, why aren't you doing this? Mm-hmm. So that let me see what else is around here that I really enjoy. Um, <laughs> I think shoes can also be a, a, an important thing as well. So, you know, there's not one particular shoe that I can recommend. But what I kind of tell people is that I kind of look at shoes in like two type of forms. I kind of look at shoes with like you have the shoes that's like an Asian fit or like a smaller cut. And then I have mm-hmm. like the shoes that are like American fit or like a larger mm-hmm. cut. So historically American fitters, like, you know, the Brooks, the new balances of the world and things of that sort. Whereas like the Asian fit is like more of like the Nike, the Adidas, or like sometimes even the Saucony. Right. Um, and, and getting people to really understand like, okay, well, what type of foot do you have? Like, do you have like more of a wider foot then maybe you need more of like an American fit type of shoe or and these shoes kind of give you that American fit type of thing because they're a little bit more giving on the mm-hmm. width wise. Or if you have like mm-hmm. a narrow foot, then maybe you want to look at some like of the Asian fit type of shoes. Mm-hmm. And it goes right back to where we started this conversation, which is getting somebody to help uh, somebody who knows what they're talking yes. about to help you get your, uh, get a good shoe for you, right? Pull uh, a U-turn. Go to that <laughs> running specialty store. Running specialty that store. illegal U-turn. Uh-huh. <laughs> a running specialty store. Um, that That is definitely a big thing. And then I would say, like, a good water bottle is always handy. I love a good, like, a, a Nathan water bottle with the pockets for, like, 
my my cell phone and things of that sort. So um, those are a couple of some of my go tos. Oh, and then I also got to give a, a shout out to Scratch Lab. So I love the hydration. My favorite mm-hmm. is the uh, the matcha green tea one. I love that. That is mm. my favorite hydration I've ever had. Mm. So, Martina, are you training for anything specific right now? Um, this 40-date book tour. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I do not know what that is. <laughs> so, I've been doing a, a bunch of shorter distances this year. I don't, it, as much as I want to run Chicago, with my travel schedule, I just don't see it in the in the books for me. So, mm-hmm. I think what I'm just going to do this year is just do a bunch of fun runs, a bunch of 5Ks, and really be amongst the people. And then, like, mm-hmm. once the book tour kind of dies down, I can kind of look forward to next year of, like, what does my marathon or half marathon kind of training looks like. Because that's one of the things, that's the hardest thing when you're, like, traveling. Like, just to give you an example. So, last week or, like, the last two weeks, I was in Lincoln, Nebraska, and then, nope, before that, I was in Missoula, and then I went to Lincoln, Nebraska a day later, and then the following day after I got done my Lincoln, Nebraska trip, I got on the plane and then went to Arizona, and then I came home for a day, like, less than 24 hours, let's say 18 hours, enough time to, like, shower and, like, repack my suitcase, and then went to Peachtree, and then I was um, home for, like, 48 hours, and then I uh, went to Utica for Boilermaker. Now I'm mm. home for like another like 48, 72 hours. And then I'm heading to um, Boulder, Colorado Springs, and Denver. And then I'm home for another like two days. And then I go to San Francisco Marathon. So Yeah, that, that's a lot. <laughs> this is so, it's, it's so awesome. And it's also exhausting. Yes, it's exhausting. It's <laughs> awesome. Um, but I don't foresee myself getting up to mileage that I'll be happy to like run like a full or a half at. Mm. I gotta say, I don't know. I don't, I, I see your movement as, as growing. I don't, I don't know. I think you might have to change your 2024 plans. Cause I think people <laughs> are going to be clamoring to see you around. And that it, it made me think hearing you talk and, and thinking about your schedule before this. Um, so when my, business partner again, Dimity. And I used to joke that we weren't going to rest until everywhere you turned, you saw another mother runner. Mm-hmm. So lowercase, not, not uppercase. So what's your strategy for world domination? I mean, uh. <laughs> that is a good question. Um, this book was a great way for to, to get slow AF run club on everybody's mind. Um, I think the merch is also a great calling card because who doesn't love Paisley and Turtles put together mm-hmm. being on as many podcasts and taking as many um, press interviews as possible. I think we did a lot of work on the, on the front end of mm-hmm. this book coming out. So myself and my team, we reached out to about 500 places collectively when it came to bookstores, races and podcasts, just to mm-hmm. figure out like how we can get, on the show. So that was a lot. And then one of the things that we're doing now, because the Slow Front Club community, the app has about 16,000 members in there, is one of the things that we're doing now is launching a nonprofit. And I think that's going to help as well in the sense of, hey, we have this mission of inspiring 1 million people to start running in the body that they have now. And I think that that's going to be very useful and helpful for 
um, the Slow F Run Club World Domination because like now we have a mission and now we have a 5013C that we can kind of go to these brands and um, companies to say, okay, give us money and it's going to be a tax write-off to help grow this larger mission in order to get more people active. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome to that. And, and I do want to apologize now that we're, we're actually speaking that you originally emailed us and we're like, Hey, you know, I, I got this book coming out. I want to be on the podcast and that I turned you down. And I'm so sorry because one, you just are such a, a light and a force for good. And, and as you've been talking, I just, every, every answer to your mouth, I'm like, this speaks so much to the Another Mother Runner mm-hmm. community. So, so thank you for doing what you're doing. Thank you for being gracious. And then, coming on the podcast even after I said no the first time. And that was a big mistake on my part. So I just wish you all the best in, in everything that you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. Love him. Absolutely love him. Oh my gosh. He's so awesome. Such a force for good and, and such a warm and, and funny and genuine human being. I know. Oh my goodness. All right. Oh, wow. Well, saying no to him the first time around <laughs> We'll go down as one of my biggest mistakes of 2023. So I was, I'm glad I was able to rectify it. Oh, all right. Well, our next running retreat being held November 3 to 6 on gorgeous Hilton Head Island off the coast of South Carolina is coming up. And Tish, you know that because you're going to be packing for it and being one of our presenters there. And I am so excited. I can't wait. Oh, good. Good, good, good. So uh, as I say, Tish is going to be one of the guest presenters. There's group runs on the flat hardpacked beach. We eat delicious meals, do yoga. There's loads of friendships that blossom and, and grow there and loads of laughter. It's all with the front row seat of the Atlantic Ocean from our host hotel, the Beach House. And Hilton Head may be our last retreat for the foreseeable future as we're debating pressing pause on our retreats for a bit. So if you've been thinking, Mom, maybe I need to go one of these AMR retreats, now is the time to register. And to do that, you go to anotherrunner.com, click on events in the top navigation bar. You'll find all the details and you can register there. Again, go to another mother runner com. Click on events on the top of the homepage. Our podcast today was produced in St. Paul, Minnesota by Barry Medora from Fire on the Bluff. And so I, I was like, okay, I can either stew in my own stink while I record the podcast or I can hop into the shower in the kids' bathroom. So that's what I did. You took a bee shower. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs>